Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling, tingling, tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? My brain is hurting from harmonious brain amplifier wave things <laughs> <laughs> to listen to the show find us on foreyradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts this podcast is brought to you by revenge lover designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com and if you're looking for all things walloping web snappers check out our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com yo uh, we're here at the end. Yep. And I must say, I'm kind of fucking stunned. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> I uh, I didn't I didn't remember the ending wow. at all. Uh, wow. I might not have seen it because I feel like I would have remembered it when I watched it because there's a lot. It's a it's a wow. it's a lot. <laughs> wow. Um. Once we get into it, and as we are discussing it, I want and maybe you already have a response to this. But I would be curious to get it in sort of real time as we're going beat by beat, if you had noticed any of these things. I think that this finale, and we are talking about the finale of Spider-Man Unlimited, I think there is a ton of stuff on the cutting room floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the same sense. Okay, good. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Tons. This feels like it absolutely should have been more than one episode. And I can't wait to hopefully find some sort of insight at some point in my lifetime as to just how much was cut and at what point it was cut. Yeah. Because there's definitely stuff in this episode, part of it pacing wise, but part of it actually content wise, I think that indicates stuff was cut. It's yeah. It's wild. It's such a, it's such a jam packed one. Yeah, so many references to things that de- that don't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting and you know, this 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 was an episode that was not intended to be like an episode. It was mm-hmm. meant to be a two-parter like, right? So <laughs> like intentionally so. This isn't a case like um like other the, like like the uh, the Venom episode when we were sort of like I wish this was a two-parter or whatever. It's like yeah. this was already intended to be a multi-parter anyway. You know, they just never got to finish part 2, which makes it even weirder that there's so much stuff left on the cutting room floor when oh, it's already yeah. a story that they're that they're that they intended to cut across multiple episodes. Yeah, that's so. a good that's a good point of clarification. I don't even mean like stuff cut because this is a to be continued episode. It by it, spoiler ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Uh which I expected to some degree but not to that degree. Holy yeah. smokes, there's stuff just completely left without any indication of a conclusion. Like yeah. like little things, not even big things, little things. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I mean, like, even just this as a finale to the season, it feels like there's a ton of stuff cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I didn't even think of that until you were mentioning, like, yeah, this is intended to have even more. Gosh, yeah. What a what a wild. And I expected I expected to to walk away being like, what? But I didn't yeah. expect to walk away being like, fucking what? <laughs> like, yeah well here's what just happened <laughs> so i'm pumped i'm very excited yeah. and here's this is and this is like a good a good segue i'm gonna introduce the the title of the episode now because i have a, oh, yes. a point about that so we're talking about spider-man unlimited the final episode season one the only season uh-huh. episode 13 titled destiny unleashed now that's where it's sort of like officially titled now in most places like IMDb has it listed as that Disney Plus has it listed as mm-hmm. that pretty much where you can find it uh the original airing I believe from from everything that I could tell there was a title card that said Destiny Unleashed Part 1 oh that was since removed in Makes like sense. later airings I kind of wish just to like fuck with people I wish that it still said Part 1 Yeah well even <laughs> on cuz I found like a YouTube clip where it was uh where it said that and it was like the, and it had the Toon Disney logo and that mm-hmm. was in reruns so like at a certain point in reruns they still had it I don't know at what point someone swept in and took the part 1 off of it it seems kind of pointless after a certain point but sure. somebody did at some point um cuz it's not there now Now I don't remember at what point was this show canceled do we know like do we know when they got that We know that they got word like after episode, th- there was a time period after episode three, but after they were already working in season two. So okay, yeah, okay, because because there's like a, a whole like year period where the show wasn't on the air, where it only aired three episodes, and it got canceled in that time. And I think that's why they got. I, I I'm assuming that's why they had been able to work so far into season two was because there was that year gap where it just wasn't aired, and they probably didn't get word of cancellation, so they were continuing to work. And then, that makes sense, right? Then right. they were canceled, and then they started airing it again, like after it was canceled. Huh. I mean, but that means production would have been done. I mean, it would have been it would have been shuttered. Uh, yeah. By the yeah. time this aired, so it's not like. Hmm, this, yeah, it this wasn't like it was canceled. So right. It wasn't like it was canceled like mid production of this episode. Like I think that it was all in the can, or else they wouldn't have had. I mean, they wouldn't have had them in the can uh, if they canceled them in production. They. It's they just, yeah. It's so wild, the editing on this episode. Like, there's no explanation for certain things. <laughs> Other yeah. than they just, I don't know, they, they ordered so much more than they could fit into an episode, I suppose. Maybe. I mean, I could I could be wrong on that assumption. Like, maybe, I mean, because post-production happens at the same time that, like, pre-production is happening mm-hmm. for another season. So I guess it could you it could be possible. I don't know what the timeline is for it. So I, I guess, I, I, I see what you're saying. It could be possible that while they were writing the beginning of season two, they were still finishing the edits on the last episode and then they got canceled in that period. So there wasn't room for like finishing touches or something like that, maybe. That or I was just thinking like, and I think that's that's the more likely scenario, but just to be fully transparent, what I was initially thinking was like, is it possible that this is like a re-edit after they knew that there wasn't going to be more because they couldn't order new footage but maybe they could try to tweak what was already there. But I don't even think that necessarily makes things mm. better. Yeah, you'd think they would try to clean it more than it is clean because it's not that clean. It's kind of messy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But what you're saying makes a lot more sense, if anything at all. Yeah. 
or uh. or it really was just that messy of an episode and they just couldn't handle it. <laughs> entirely possible. Entirely yeah. possible. I think <laughs> when we when we start discussing like individual bits and pieces, I think there are some things of this episode they do really really well as far oh, yeah. as like tying things together and and creating sort of an an ultimate destination for what they'd been building up to and then there are obviously other things that I don't think they they quite nail probably more in the details to be to be honest i think the overarching picture of this episode is something i'm i'm somewhat pleased with which is sort of in line with this whole series the overarching yeah. picture i'm excited by it's the execution that i think in this episode more than all other episodes is that bold uh is probably just not good i don't know i guess we'll get into it yeah, I because I feel like on the whole I do like this episode really, but again more for the ambition than the execution yeah. of it, which is kind of, sort of pretty much just like our whole like stance and kind of the thesis of this entire series <laughs> is that it's sort of like love it for the great ideas, messy as fuck in every other place, excepting the premiere. Those first yeah. two episodes, I think, are actually very good in both their ambition and execution. That's true. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, I think after after the pilot, it definitely kind of I, – I don't even – I even hesitate to say it goes off the rails because that's not really no. true. Like I feel like it always stays true to the vision of it and everything, yeah. and there's always that clear core to it. It's just – there's just I, – uh, I don't know if there, if there was just like a rush job on a lot of these or what. A lot, there's just a lot of, lot of weak points. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's dig into this one specifically, and then we'll come back around to our overall thoughts, which I people can probably just <laughs> decipher at this point. We've yeah. pretty much along the whole way discussed our overarching <laughs> thoughts, but whatever. Yeah. So like you yeah. mentioned, this is Spider-Man Unlimited, Season 1, Episode 13, Destiny Unleashed. And this synopsis per IMDb, I've only read three words of it, and I'm already baffled. So here we go. Synoptic, comma, whose plan is to team up with the High Evolutionary, period. Nope. When the time is right, they will unleash millions of symbiotes on the planet to finally rid it of humans once and for all. Nope. Spider-Man, John Jameson, The Rebellion, X-51, nope. and The Goblin all team up to put an end to the Evolutionary's plans, but appear too late when Venom and Carnage's plan unfolds. Nope. All of that was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. The, the X-51 thing is really interesting, though, because the Disney Plus description also mentions X-51. So I suspect that he was a thing that was cut from this episode because it doesn't make sense that he doesn't ever appear at all, right. first of all. And right. the fact that it's in like two places, even though the IMDB is not an official description, I can see how they might have pulled that pulled it from that because Disney Plus definitely did. Um, mm -hmm. So probably an old synopsis that was written like before he was edited out or something like that. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. That is a that is a wild uh, synopsis. And now, because Spider-Man Unlimited will become my life's passion project, I obviously must go in and write all new synopses for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so Please others do. can make fun of mine. <laughs> Please do. Please yes. do. <laughs> cool. Well, original air date for this episode was March 31st, 2001. It was written by our friends Robert Gregory Brown and Larry Brody, who have written basically half the season. So, mm -hmm. yep, those guys mm -hmm. again. There aren't really major characters introduced in this, and I think that's actually one of the things that the show, depending on what you're looking for, can be considered a point in its favor. It's been a number of episodes now where they haven't introduced new characters. They've introduced so many characters in the first half and then just decided to play with those characters and build stories on those characters. And I think a lot of people 
could consider that a point in its favor because it allows for more serialized storytelling. But you could also argue against it if you wanted to, if you think things are getting stale. So it could go either way. But in this case, still no new characters. Wouldn't have expected it in the finale. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. In fact, they bring back a lot of them. Well, no, eh, they bring up one, but they bring back a lot of extras yeah, from the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they definitely do that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dig right in. The episode opens with the High Evolutionary pretty much holding a staff meeting with his staff, the Knights of Wondergore, and he's pissed. He's running through basically a litany of folks who've taken advantage of his good nature, in his words. And he cites the ongoing attacks by the revolutionaries, the symbiote's attempts to do their own thing, and Spider-Man's continued interference. I like this a lot. This is the first of two things that this episode does to not recap what's happened, but try to like bring everything to sort of a concluding point or like a culmination of events. And so I appreciate that. They even use clips from previous episodes to correspond to the things that he's talking about, and they kind of frame it as if he's showing those instances on a monitor. So they're trying really hard to make sure that they're not just doing a previously on Spider-Man Unlimited and building that like those reminders into the actual events of the show. And I appreciate that. I really like when when shows like there's that classic era. Call it classic. I guess it's not. It's like classic now. (laughs) <laughs> but, like, stuff in, like, the 90s through, like, the 2000s, before, like, we see everything super heavily serialized when it's sort of, yeah. like, this half-arc stuff, where it'll be, like, a lot of self-contained episodes with, like, sort of background elements that are sort of flowing into each other, but oftentimes you don't, like, even really realize how much stuff is is actually playing into a larger arc until the finale when it's like, oh, everything is coming together in this finale. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of shows don't really do that now because everything is super serialized. So I like that this show's kind of doing that more old school way of, of doing it. I mean, it was popular at this time, so it makes sense that it's doing <laughs> it. But I feel like it does it fairly well because there are a lot of disparate elements in this episode that do if if not come together like narratively, at least like pop up again mm-hmm. or are mentioned again and, and sort of play some kind of role, like it makes it so the entire everything in the season pretty much feels relevant and important, even even if it was in a self-contained episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything playing towards towards one point. So yeah. the high evolutionary, as a result of all this, vows his wrath upon his enemies. Um, Lord Tiger, as we have suspected he would do at some point proposes that a benevolent hand might be more successful. And as we also could have expected, Sir Ram argues that point, basically saying the only way to stop all these humans from constantly getting in the way is by crushing them. So we get that sort of payoff finally, or at least we can expect that that payoff is coming. Yeah, yeah, Lord Tiger will track this, but he's kind of like the only character with an arc in this episode, considering it's like the final episode, because everyone else is just sort of having to react to everything crazy that's happening but like yeah he goes he actually like starts it at, at a different point than he ends at ultimately he does i still uh we'll have to talk about it at a particular point i still i st- i still can't totally pin him down though <laughs> i think that it was meant to be said i think that this was supposed to be like the start of a larger i think because he has a little a little mini arc in this mm-hmm. and i think that it was setting up what his role would be in the second season yeah where we'd, we would sort of get his perspective fleshed out a little bit better yeah. i don't think it's meant to be very clear yet what like he, what is actually going on in his head yeah he has an interesting and complicated and not unrealistic uh 
reaction to events that are happening in this episode mm-hmm. that make it hard to walk away with an understanding when there's no conclusion yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a fun, complicated, messy, not not messy on the writer's part, messy, realistic, messy type of uh, depiction uh, mm-hmm. of somebody who's sort of in conflict. Yep. 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 So, yeah, most of those people suck. Um, elsewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> elsewhere, Spider-Man web swings and uh, he's kind of he's also having a little sort of mini recap type of thing where he's reflecting on his time on Counter-Earth. Um, and he's just like kind of mentioning like the people that he's connected with, the friends that he's made and like, I didn't expect to be here and has some like references about like what destiny and fate is going to throw his way to kind of reference the episode title, essentially. Also, he says that he mentions Jameson and says he has a major problem controlling his body hair, uh-huh. which I have. Many problems with that statement. <laughs> he's not drawn to be hairy, first of all, unless you're saying that the controlling problems is that he should have more body hair, which I would agree with, but I'm pretty sure that's not what Spider-Man is saying. Um, also, how do you, like, what it's, do you know about, why are you thinking that much about his body hair? It's a, it's a werewolf joke. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was here ready to be like, what a clever, funny joke. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) But I mean, I I will say like, don't even that don't excuse. That was, mm -mm. no, that was a, that was a good, that was a good joke. That was a, it's a good joke. But it would it probably would have come up more had this series continued. But as it stands, <sighs> there's been only one episode that actually directly references the fact that he's a werewolf. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> I thought because I thought about I I I've, I thought about that line a lot and was just like, oh, we're gonna make so many jokes about that. Oh my god, uh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> Cool. I do wish that the man, I mean, I know that there's already way too much happening in this episode, but it would have been, that's like the one kind of major thing that never really came up again and did Mm -hmm. not play a role in the finale. Like it would have been really easy to just have him turn into the man wolf during an action scene at the end, just to amp up the drama even more. I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that. There, there are a couple things that they could have either amplified or just straight up included that they didn't include that I think would have been easy, easy fits into what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's doing that. He he also mentions that John Jameson's turning out to not be that bad of a guy, which is, I think, significant, assuming that they were, well, not assuming, knowing that they were making more content. Yeah. The fact that Spider-Man has clearly turned to sort of appreciate and respect John Jameson, which he hasn't been sure he did up to yeah. this point. So so probably future love interest, right? Is that seemed like the direction? Yeah, no, that's where I was going it? for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Yeah, and then Karen realizes that she actually likes women, and and she and Naoko uh, get together too. So nice, down yeah. with it. Cool. Yeah. Well, he's he's thinking about all that stuff, and his uh, <laughs> his thoughts are interrupted by a wall of machine men entering the streets of the basement. It's a whole like literally a wall, like, like literally oh, yeah. like rows of them, like in a big like cube shape. It's so many. Yeah, lots of them. Hey, um, so- I found the reckoning. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah thanks high evolutionary yeah <laughs> kind of uh kind of spoiled that a little early didn't you <laughs> assuming at first that they're looking for him uh which you know fair assumption spidey like dips into the shadows but like they just fly right past him they don't pay him any mind so 
that actually has him even more like concern because it's like they're not after me. What other serious thing are they after? So he uh, decides to investigate. Yes. Um, basically, what he sees is that the machine men are setting up a number of he just calls them blockades at this point. But we we end up seeing that they're force shield blockades. Um, and shortly after that, the machine men do, I guess, just like a collective announcement, which I actually think is creepy. I think it's really creepy when like a bunch of robots all sort of broadcast the exact same thing. So I don't know if that was the intent, but that's how I interpreted it. And it creeps me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They announce that all humans are required to vacate their homes, and the point of this is so that they can be scanned for tampered tracking chips. I love that they brought the tracking chips back. Yeah. I mentioned I was going to rewatch the series before I watched the finale, and I did, and Mm. I was wondering if that was going to come back up, so I was really pleased to see that it does. Nice. Even if just for this very little thing. When they discover a man that they have determined to be a rebel because his chip doesn't scan properly, uh, we don't really get an answer on that. They just they claim he is one. I don't recognize him. No, I don't. I don't think he's anybody we've seen before. I think it makes more sense and is more dystopian to believe him in that his chip was just malfunctioning mm-hmm. and that this was a surprise for him. But in any case, they determine he's a rebel and they try to arrest him. So he runs. And he ends up running into that force shield uh, and gets knocked down and is like, oh, no. Yep. Definitely some pretty not fun police brutality visuals in oh, a yeah. lot of this. This is like straight up <laughs> military state using the understood police officers as the military. Yep. 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 At least they've been very consistent about how they've used the machine men as that mm-hmm. allegory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man is a, is as upset at this stuff as as we are. Um but he he realizes how powerless he is to stop it cuz he would just get like gunned down immediately because of how many machine men there are. So Gosh. he has to just kind of thwip off unfortunately. One thing about this that I appreciate tonally is that they show like a very brief montage isn't quite the right word, but just like a collection of frame scenes, whatever you want to call them of the humans sort of reacting to all this and running and panicking. And some people are fighting back and some people are just confused. They even show, and this is like such an interesting and great detail, I think to really illustrate how horrible what's happening is they even show like a, a guy on crutches with like a broken leg, trying to run from the machine men, they really do a good job expressing the gravity or the tone of what's happening, I think. Yeah. I no, I totally I I, to, I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. Like we, there's been plenty of senses of how dystopian this world is for like the entire show, but I think you really get the sense of like how scary it would be to live here in this episode because yeah. of how often like they make very clear what is happening on the street level, like throughout the entire time, like multiple shots, mm-hmm. like you were saying to people kind of reacting and in pain or having bad things happen to them and everything. And I think those scenes do a lot of the heavy lifting right off the bat because the show doesn't, I mean, it, it, it pays attention to background characters at weird points, like that <laughs> guy that keeps showing up, that one bestial. Yeah. It's it's like a fun gag, but there are like some humans that also just randomly show up over and over again for no real reason. But for the most part, those are exceptions and their crowd work is usually like pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so those scenes, I think, do a lot of heavy work early on so that they can kind of put less pressure on themselves to get like all that crowd work later. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, that's <laughs> like that's get the totally tonal fair. stuff out of the way right off the bat. So we all understand it. It's smart. 
And it does give you a bigger sense of how big the stakes are in this episode, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's the finale. They're obviously trying to ramp everything up. Um, yeah. And I, even though we've had major things happen in past episodes, this makes this particular scenario like feel much, much bigger than it would if you didn't get the reactions to the people on the street. Yeah. So Spider-Man ends up flipping off and he goes to the clinic, which makes sense. It's kind of been his like go-to, like, what do I do? Go here. <laughs> and when he gets there, he finds that the machine men are interrogating and attempting to arrest Naoko and Shane uh, for simply associating with Spider-Man. And I, I love this because we get like, a, these are the little like world filling details that I'm living for in this show mm-hmm. uh, where Naoko says, I've got my license to practice. I've got my lease. I've got everything here that you could want. Like, what are you like? Leave me alone. Right. Like she, we've wondered exactly what her status is. Like, is she simply someone who's knowledgeable and somewhat educated is she is she credentialed like what like what exactly is she right right and this tells us exactly like no she's a credentialed medical professional with an office that is recognized by presumably the state right Mm -hmm. so the fact that they're doing this once again just sort of like uh, illustrates the the gravity of the situation and the abuse that is being carried out Mm mm-hmm yeah, so Naoko does deny that she, like, sympathizes with Spidey. Like, she calls him a troublemaker, and we've seen that in past episodes, that she doesn't really <laughs> actually like him very much. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Which, you know, he blew up her home. It's fair. <laughs> I'd be not mad too. Not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that long ago. But uh, but Spidey sees this. He He doesn't want to, like solidify the association that they have with them by showing up so Mm -hmm. he creates a diversion by throwing a trash can around i think he literally throws one like into the window of their uh, (laughs) house Uh, like a little rude a little bit a little bit much but i guess it it does work in the end and terrifying like naoka's reaction to it is like what is happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 But it does work because the machine men are like, it must be the the rebels. We have to investigate and leave the people you're interrogating and then just like never come back. So they leave and then Spidey sneaks back in as Peter. Yes. Once he's inside, pretty quickly after he gets inside, the television kind of turns itself on <laughs> and <laughs> a message from the high evolutionary uh, starts playing. And we're to understand that this is being broadcast throughout the city. Shane even calls out like, oh, my gosh, he even controls the TVs, which to a kid would be, you know, very impressive. Yeah. (laughs) So the High Evolutionary explains that he understands. I think this is really interesting and really important. And I actually think it's the type of thing you could miss if you just watch this sort of like casually or just like blast through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a thing that the High Evolutionary does throughout this throughout this episode multiple times. And it starts here. So the High Evolutionary explains that he understands the confusion and the fear that humans must be experiencing at the things that he is making the machine men do. But he claims that his hand has been forced by the revolutionaries and Spider-Man. He then goes on to speak directly to the revolutionaries. And he says, my knights will supervise the systematic destruction of human neighborhoods building by building. For every hour that Spider-Man and the Rebels fail to submit to my forces, a dozen more buildings will fall and a dozen more homes will burn. And what he's doing, yes, what he's doing is just like creating a propaganda campaign against the revolutionaries and Mm Spider-Man who are a small population of humans um, and who work sort of covertly, right? So we will see this pay off or this sort of culminate later in the episode. Mm -hmm. But this is kind of the first time where the high evolutionary says like, hey, humans, I get it. I understand. You're freaking out. You're probably wondering what's going on. Here's what's going on. And he controls the narrative. Scary fucking shit. 
it's it's so it's so it's so brilliant because i mean it's it's very realistic um mm-hmm. it's like a classic scapegoating scenario it's like classic propaganda tactics i mean that's the thing that you see happen now like all the time uh-huh. so like literally right now so like it's yeah, any anytime there's ever any kind of like rebellion or uprising or protest or revolution of any kind, even on like very minor scales, that is going to be the reaction is to try to turn the public against those people as, as quickly and as much as possible yep. and control the narrative. Because if you control the narrative, that's like where you have all the power. One thing we have not brought up, and I haven't tracked it closely enough to know if this is 100%, but I think it falls into this category. And I'm not sure where else we would have brought this up. I think, and I'll be curious to know if this is something you noticed or we're also tracking, I think the group of revolutionaries always refers to themselves as revolutionaries, and I believe Spider-Man refers to them as revolutionaries, but I believe that the high evolutionary and the knights always refer to them as rebels and the rebellion. And I think, again, I don't know if it's 100%, but I'm pretty certain both of those terms are used, and I think there's a pretty distinct split between who uses which term. Interesting, and I think that's important for the show and the story that this that this Spider-Man Unlimited is trying to tell, especially given how politically sort of like uh, not discreet the first two episodes are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't, and I think uh, yeah, we I... typically call them revolutionaries because I think we would typically be on their side <laughs> yeah but I mean, you're right i mean because because you know rebel itself doesn't necessarily have like a negative con- connotation but if you're looking at it from the perspective of who's saying each of them like revolutionary right. is is that that is generally i think a little bit more does have a little bit more of a positive connotation um just in the way that it's been used in history so mm-hmm. it's sort of like the idea that you are you are actually like staging like a a positive change in the world on a gigantic like important scale, whereas like rebellion is a, is is essentially saying that you are opposed to what is like the current administration or the current uh, leadership, which mm-hmm. is more targeted. It's less targeted to like a positive overhaul and like changing things for the better, and more kind of like feels a little more uh, like on the attack essentially, I guess like it feels like it's people staging an attack against, against like the status quo specifically rather than just like generally changing things. You know what I mean? You don't refer to like revolutionary teenagers. You refer to rebellious teenagers. Yeah. And that comes with like an image of who you're talking about. Right. Or when you hear the empire in star Wars talk about the rebels, they only do it with venom. Right. Granted the rebels call themselves rebels in star Wars too. But I, like you said, who's saying it matters. Yeah. And who's using which terms I think matter too. And it's just, I think it's a really interesting, unnecessary detail that only sort of like, I think strengthens sort of at least the tone of what the show has been trying to do, mm-hmm. even if it's really, really subtle. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Oh, that's so fascinating. Huh. I like it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> In any case, the revolutionaries watch this message with sort of mixed reactions, not super mixed reactions, but just their immediate reactions are sort of different. Karen's like immediately horrified. She's like, oh my gosh, like he, what? Um, and John- actually, she, I just want to point out, this is literally the only line that Karen has in the entire episode <laughs> is what? I made a note of it. She, and she what? faintly screams later. You can barely hear it. That's cool. it. Cool. <laughs> cool. Our biggest complaint with Karen thus far is that they haven't really known what to do with her and do all sorts of things. What's worse is just not using her at all. <laughs> yep. In all, 
fairness, Bromley, I think, also only gets one yeah. line, but he has more words, at least. Like, he actually is, like, like he's he talks, he says some, like, thing to the high evolutionary to, like, get on with it, blah, 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 or whatever. But it's, that that's a little bit. That is very fair. That's very So fair. It, it, there wasn't a lot of room for the characters to talk, but considering how, like, important that Karen is supposed to be to the high evolutionary and could theoretically and be to, to the narrative. And to she's, John. She's the most important person to both sides. <laughs> yeah. She literally just disappears, which I know yeah. is setting up whatever was going to happen right. in the next episode or second season, but it still kind of sucks that she has one line and then disappears. <laughs> yeah. 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 She's, I mean, she's without a doubt the subject of the premiere of next season, right? Oh, like it has to, has to, to be. be. Yeah. And granted, we haven't read any. Of, I, don't, I don't think you have. I definitely no. haven't read any of the second season stuff because we plan to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that'll be the case. I'll be really surprised if she's not. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, she's just not on the show anymore. <laughs> like, excuse me? <laughs> but yeah, so she gets her one word, one line of what? And John, John's reaction is weird not not uncharacteristic but it, it like in many cases if i were in this universe i would take great issue with john his immediate reaction is like he's bluffing he wouldn't do that he wouldn't destroy his own city I'm like have you been paying attention john have you met this guy where, where, <laughs> where have you been <laughs> do you remember what he did to you <laughs> like i don't know whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then we cut to the new nest of Venom and Carnage where they're watching and like reveling in the high evolutionary's words. Um, they're doing some stuff with their babies like they're always doing. Um, I love that they just have a TV in their nest too. I know. I know. Like when they're not actively caring for their babies, they're watching like TGIF. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess it fits who they theoretically could be if their humans are like actually like aware of things which is mm-hmm. still kind of up in the air to be honest yeah. um how much control they have but but yeah i love that idea uh what was what would be on tgif in 1999 that was kind of the height of it wasn't it i think so wasn't it Terminal yeah i mean AM was like kind of tgif central but yeah it's when we would have been in middle school they were probably watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, uh, of course they were. Who wasn't? <laughs> probably like <laughs> like right in like the best seasons of it too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they're watching TGIF. Uh, well, they're not now because the High Evolutionary is on the TV. Rude. So they're reveling in the High Evolutionary's words, believing that focus on an eradication of the humans. And they're like, this is going to be easier for the synoptic to thrive because there's going to be no humans, um, which I don't really understand because I thought the synoptic needs hosts, but I guess they only, maybe they're like fewer people means only bestial hosts. I don't really understand that. I am on the same page as you. I think it's one point in both columns. I think they can be more successful if the high evolutionary isn't paying attention to them, but I think their overall operation is hurt by the lack of humans. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they're so, like, cool and excited about it, but they're hard to understand most of the time. And then the plan ends up not really making any sense. Not making it, The plan ends up not mattering in the end anyway because the it doesn't really have anything mm-hmm. to do with this setup. So yeah. we'll get to that. Yep, one, yep. What, one other note, the, the high evolutionary's mustache, like, changes size when he's on the TV, like, between shots. Like it's, because it's been changing size all season. It doesn't make any sense. It's like a big bushy mustache in the first episode. And, and at times it's like a, a pencil thin mustache. I don't understand. Yep. He goes off model a number of times in this episode, actually. I mean. Like his nose changes multiple times in this episode. 
I don't get it. We don't really know like what he really is. So maybe the the life form that he is just occasionally he's like a, <laughs> a very very minor shapeshifter that can just like change his mustache size and <laughs> change his nose shape a little bit. <laughs> yeah, why not? Anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> another another element for your fanfic later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, at one point, at one point, you did you did sort of pose like they never said he was from Earth. He, he he's they never said he was human. And I paid attention to that while I was watching, and that's a hundred percent correct. They never cool. say where he comes from, and he never calls himself a human. He yeah. refers to human problems, and he refers to human illnesses and the humans. But he doesn't ever refer to himself as one, I don't believe. Yeah. The flashbacks yeah. complicate that a little bit, but they don't have to. No, well, because they can still he can still have kids that look like humans because he looks like a human and not be mm-hmm. human. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Anyway. <laughs> so the High Evolutionary finishes his message by reiterating that the destruction will stop only if the rebels and Spider-Man turn themselves over. Um, so he reiterates that point again. As the broadcast concludes, Peter, Naoko, and Shane hear an explosion in the distance and then look out the window to see that the explosion is in fact visible from their window, uh, which indicates that the demolition of human homes has already begun. They wasted Yikes. no time. Yikes. Yep. Yeah. At one of the demolition sites, a horrific looking reporter <laughs> is there. What's her name? Kelly Wing? I think so. Is she a, she's like, I guess she's supposed to be a fish because he's one of those weird, like, giant-eyed face Oh, things. no. I but think she's supposed to be a bird. Bird? She I was like won- feathers. I was wondering that, though, yeah, because we've never seen a bird that has a face like that. We've seen fish people that do. That's why I was like, is she a fish? And she just has, like, really beautiful fins. But I think you probably – but I was also thinking, like, but she is kind of a bird and well, her and name is her Kelly name, Wing, right? Yeah, I think so. her name is a bird pun. I don't know if it's exactly Wing, but it's definitely a bird pun. And I I think you're right, though, because we've seen faces like hers, but I don't think on birds. <laughs> nope. I don't know. Either way, she's very unfortunate looking. I'm so <laughs> I, I'm very happy for you getting a job in the cutthroat television reporting world where, like, looks are everything, unfortunately, and people are harshly judged on it. And you still pulled up the ranks to report on, like, major events on camera. Good for you, Kelly Wing, if that's your name. Okay, but think about this. If she if she's a bestial and pro- presumably the people she works for are bestials and the people who watch her are probably largely bestials or at least people who live in a world controlled by bestials, the animal kingdom tends to like value like flash and pomp and stuff, right? And mm-hmm. she's kind of flashy. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, maybe, especially if she's a bird. I don't yeah. know why she isn't brown, but good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Every of all of her flashiness and the colors are great. It's really it's just her facial structure is just very unfortunate. Her eyes are half of her face. Exactly. Exactly. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the reporter is reporting on it. Uh she's trying to solicit a comment from Sir Ram and he's just like, fuck off. I, I I'm I am a terrible, terrible creature. The worst thing that's ever existed. I can't even be bothered to talk to a reporter about the thing that I'm clearly excited about because I suck. God, he sucks so much. He's number one on my list of characters that suck in this show. And that is considering everything the High Evolutionary is doing. And I'm happy to defend that at some point, probably later on, because there's a specific thing to point to, I think. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. He just generally sucks a lot. 
Mm-hmm. So insufferable. And he he's, of course, preparing another demolition because he's like, I love blowing things up. And, you know, there's humans and the news is looking on. Uh, there's people pleading to him to stop. And before they can carry it out, Lord Tiger is like, hey, uh, dude, chill. Like, mm-hmm. you're a little you're a little too into this. <laughs> but uh, he specifically says he's disturbed by his thirst for destruction. Sir Ram's like, well, it's weird that you don't like destroying everything, you weirdo. Maybe you should, maybe you should leave. Oh, are you a- opposing the high evolutionary? Ooh, ooh, you're a bad boy. And Tiger <laughs> just backs off. Not even a bad boy. I feel like he's claiming the opposite. I feel like Lord Tiger is basically being like, can you at least hide your boner for this? Yeah. And Lord and and Sir Ram is like, what man? You don't like to try to fuck building? I mean, knock down buildings? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you? What are you? Uh, and y- y- y'all can guess what what word he would say. But like, I feel like that's what he's doing. And Lord Tiger's like, oh, fine. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I'll stick around and I'll watch it, and, and I'll pretend to have a boat or two. <laughs> Sir Ram is like just like bathing in toxic masculinity. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what he is. Who <laughs> <laughs> you're too sensitive, bro. Exactly. Because I think, doesn't he Doesn't he at some point say, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but doesn't he literally say like, why don't you just go back to the castle? Yeah, I think I think it's in this scene that he's, I think it's in this scene <laughs> that he says that. Or maybe maybe it is the next one. I don't know. But yeah, he does, he does say something like that. It's just like, you know, maybe this is just too much for you and you should leave. Mm-hmm. He's such a dick. Hate him. <laughs> Hate him. Anyway, as, as they begin to fire up their building demolition gun, which kind of just looks like every other large gun in the show. Spider-Man arrives, he breaks the weapon quite handily, and attempts to clash with the machine men. His efforts fall short, though, and he ends up trapped beneath a pile of rubble. I actually like this because I don't really know what inspired him. Oh, I guess it's the Naoko Shane thing. Because at first he's like, I don't really know what I can do. Then he goes to the clinic, and then he leaves, and he's like, they're probably going to be disappointed, but I can't just stand by you know, while, while all this happens. Oh, that was, that was another thing that I think was a cut scene because I think so too. Yeah. Because as he's web swinging, he's, Peter's just saying, Naoko must think Peter Parker's a real jerk now, which we don't see a scene of him like leaving in a weird time. And it's not written. Like I could see it if it's sort of just trying to like fill in the blanks or whatever, but it's not written like that. It's written like it's referencing something that we're supposed to know that he did wrong. Yeah. We have to fill in the blanks. Yeah. We have to do that work. Yeah. And and it, and it's it's work you have to do because he specifically goes to the clinic because he's not sure what he can do and he's intimidated by rightfully everything that's going on, and then after that he jumps right back into it and confronts not just the machine men but like a pair of the knights of Wondagore. Mm-hmm. And granted, he has new information, right? Like they're trying to destroy homes and stuff like that. Um, so there's plenty of things to be motivated by. We just don't see any of that. And there's that line that you're mentioning about like. She must think Peter's a real jerk. I think, why? Okay, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. All right, sure. But in any case, he he tries to confront them, and he he kind of fails at it because he was he was kind of right. He is a bit overwhelmed and a little over or like in over his head. So he ends up uh, beneath a pile of rubble, and this is where Sir Ram reaches, I think, maximum shititude. Because Sir Ram, like, rolls up on his hover steed. He begins to charge his weapon to full power. We even see that it says 100%. <laughs> and very clearly is is intending to destroy Spider-Man. Which, given events almost exactly after this, I have questions about. But whatever. He, he, he starts to do that. And Lord Tiger once again is like, bro, chill. 
and even goes so far as to like knocking Sir Ram's hover steed so that the blast doesn't hit Spider-Man and instead like goes all over the place and like slices a machine man in half. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shite, dude. <laughs> Which is a big deal. And basically says like, hey, dude, the high evolutionary said we're supposed to take him alive. So what the hell are you doing? Not the first time we've seen another knight be like, Sir Ram, chill. Because yeah. Ursula did the same thing at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Sir Ram's a big shithead, so he's still being really pissy about it. Yep, yep. There's, like, a really intense look that he has, like, a really detailed, intense, crazed look as he's preparing to destroy Spider-Man. It's disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's, uh, yeah. I don't like it. Uh-huh. It's it's bad and, and scary and wrong. Mm-hmm. I think this is what you were referring to, too, because while while Lord Tiger is basically essentially keeping Sir Ram from killing Spider-Man. Spider-Man, like, gets up and tries to escape. Um, and then he's, like, blasted by, like, 80 lasers, which <laughs> don't, like, it does knock him down, but it doesn't, like, knock him out or anything. Like, everyone else who's ever been shot by lasers on this show, like, passes out. And he's this shot is, a lot. Like, a lot. This is one of the most amazing bad scenes ever. It's <laughs> incredible. I love it, but it is bad. Like, let me clarify. But it's amazing. He gets shot a bajillion times, but the way that they animate it, he gets like hit by one laser and then gets knocked like a few feet or whatever. All of this is in the air. He gets hit by another one and then gets knocked a little bit to the other direction. And it, that that happens like five times before he finally hits the ground. He's like tossed like a rag doll between <laughs> laser fire until he hits the ground. And it is like hilariously bad. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like I, they were trying to make it like brutal, I feel like, and like extra violent yeah. for it, I guess. But, but they can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's it would just make like a good meme format, actually, like in GIF form. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. If you just had, because I mean, think about all the like 2020 memes. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, every one of those laser fires, right, is something yep. different. <laughs> before you finally hit the ground that's a great oh okay uh, i'll put a pin in that see if i can make beautiful, that and beautiful. see how see how it actually plays in gift form <laughs> genius yeah so he gets blasted down pretty quickly and violently and badly um but luckily the revolutionaries arrive uh to confront the knights and the machine men um and then weirdly like all they're doing is just shooting their guns like they normally do and the uh the knights just get like scared off and they just just leave and disappear um, yeah. Which is surprising because they fought them a lot before, but I think it's clarified later. It's it's clarified later, but it's also weird. I think this might fall into this either. It's one of two things. Either there's stuff cut out that could have helped uh, or been done differently. I don't think that's necessarily it. I think the other possibility is more likely, which is it falls into the trying to trick the audience for the sake of like a reveal. And I I have said before I don't like that because I don't think it it almost never makes sense to just like lie to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a little bit of what they're doing here. Yep. Heads up. <laughs> they weren't that scared and they weren't <laughs> actually outgunned like they said. Right, right. Right, right, right. I guess. The plan the ultimate I mean that 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 aspect of the plan is kind of doesn't really make sense that we that we find out later because like they probably could have taken them on they had like a million machine men like it's just mm -hmm. we'll get to that when they kind of clarify what their plan was but there's a few things we've mentioned as frustrations with storytelling that all kind of apply to this specific moment yeah 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 after they're gone back on the ground Spider-Man suggests that John may actually be a bona fide hero 
oh, that's nice. But a crowd of humans like overhears this and completely like reject the claim because this this is where like kind of the propaganda stuff bubbles over because they, you know, have been hearing from the high evolutionary that the revolutionaries are the cause of all this essentially. And, you know, technically it's not wrong. He's technically only doing it because the revolutionaries like prompted him to. It's just the framing. It's logical, but it's It's, not right. Right. Exactly. Right. It's like the, the framing of it frames it in a way that that is, that is ultimately untrue, but that's like the fake news that he's spouting. And that's what people are buying into kind of understandably because what else are they going to know? So they, they're like, you guys, you guys are the reason for all this. You're not heroes. You're the only reason he's doing any of this. The only reason anything bad is in our, in our lives is because of the revolutionaries, not the people that are controlling everything and making everything bad. So, yeah. So, you know, it's not great. And the high evolutionary is like, Ooh, yes. Ooh, Ooh, I love it. Basically like expressing disgust uh, at how, Quickly, the humans turn on each other to, like, prove their inferiority. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, exactly what he wants to see because it just, like, proves everything he's ever believed about all of this. Um, Just reaffirms all of – reaffirms his entire narrative that he's been spouting. Lord Tiger, however, delivers a message that Spider-Man and the revolutionaries are positioned as the high evolutionary requested, um, which is how we know that this is actually part of a larger plan. Yeah, so here's the weird thing about that moment. Part of it is the sort of like lying to the audience when they don't need to because they they don't I don't think they in the episode are tricking the revolutionaries into believing they've won. Like John even says that they haven't won. Like right, they know that, yeah. Right. So I don't think that's what they're doing, which would have been fine by me. They're simply speaking to each other saying like, "Let's go. We're outgunned." Like, okay, are you lying to each other? That doesn't make sense. The other thing that's happening here is that if you dig even just a tiny bit, the understanding is that they were hoping Spider-Man and the revolutionaries would show up to confront them at a demolition site, right? Makes sense. That way they could pinpoint where they are and they're all all together, which makes sense. They Mm -hmm. would then end up in a fight with revolution or not revolutionaries, regular uh, civilians who just saw their home destroyed. Makes sense. But what are we to make of Sir Ram being ready and willing to kill Spider-Man? I think that he is just operating on his own like bullshit. Like, I don't think, I think because we've seen a couple of times throughout the season that he has his own sort of separate agenda from the high evolutionary and he's not, like, completely – it doesn't seem like he's, like, 100% opposed to High Evolutionary. Like, he's not full – he's not, like, full-on Starscream, but he's definitely, like, always a- approaching that. And I'm sure if he got, like, the ability to overthrow him, he probably would. Mm-hmm. But and, and I think that he's just that much of a sadistic, like, piece of shit yeah. that, like, he just uh, – he really hates Spider-Man. And you know what? I want to kill Spider-Man because I can. Yeah, he doesn't really have a whole lot of self-control, um, and so I, yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, it's interesting you bring up the Starscream thing. I don't think Lord Tiger has any Starscream in him, but I do think what's interesting about the Lord Tiger and Sir Ram dynamic is that both of them each have elements of being on the high evolutionary side and not being on the high evolutionary side. Yeah. And I think it makes them a fascinating duo in yeah. these types of moments because – at certain points, you will see Sir Ram doing something 
that is on the side of the high evolutionary that Lord Tiger is horrified by because it's disgusting. And then at other points, Sir Ram will be doing something that the high evolutionary would hate. And Lord Tiger tells him to stop it and uses the exact same justification pretty much. Like, do you want me to report you to the high evolutionary? Would the high evolutionary want this? And it's like fascinating to see both of them do this to each other because they kind of, you know what? I'm kind of thinking about this. I wonder if the two of them have been able to, Again, this is, doesn't apply quite as much to Lord Tiger, but basically get away with each other's or like their own specific bullshit with regards to the high evolutionary because of each other, right? Like they have shit yeah. on each other. They have dirt on each other, essentially. So both of them oppose the high evolutionary to some degree, but neither one of them can really tell on the other because then they'd kind of be telling on themselves. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought about that quite until this moment, but I kind of love that. I think yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good observation. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's very on point. The other thing about this moment that I think is harder for me to understand is like what's the point of the fake out? Yeah, yeah. That was because my problem with it. They got them where they wanted them, so there really wasn't a need for the fake out. It seems like an extra step which we've seen this show do a couple times unnecessarily. I don't know if it was just meant like for the firefight of it all. And this is like an action show. So they wanted that there, but the fake out is kind of pointless, right? (laughs) I think so because here's, here's what I, what I don't really understand. Cause okay. He uses the, the Sonic stuff on them. Why couldn't he just do that? Why? Like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let's talk about the next thing that happens because (laughs) we'll, we'll see carried out exactly what both of us are wondering about right so so you mentioned that that spidey and john are confronted by the crowd right they're like yo these guys suck and as this is happening uh spider-man's spider sense goes off and he says oh shoot something's about to happen and the high evolutionary unleashes because he knows per lord tiger that the revolutionaries are quote positioned where he wants them He unleashes modulated brain harmonics on the human neighborhoods. Here's the thing. As I understand it, and it sounds like as you understand it, he unleashes this on pretty much the whole basement, right? Because it's happening where Spider-Man, John, and the revolutionaries are. But we also see that it's happening where Naoko and Shane are, which is not where Spider-Man is. Actually, I don't think that's until later that we see them, that we cut to other people. I, right? Oh, shoot, shoot, yeah. shoot, 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 shoot. So You're I right. think okay, that that's okay. the difference. I think that's the difference is that I think they needed they needed to have, I mean. Wait, but then okay. this is the extra step, isn't it? Are we entering the extra step? Because so, he could have done it all along? That's the thing that I'm, I don't understand about what ha- what happens later after he captures them. Like, <laughs> like, why did he need to capture them? Did he need to capture them to amplify it to the, all of New York? I they think just... that's what the show is trying to tell us. Okay. Or to, or to refine it or something. So in this moment, yeah, he, he unleashes the Sonics specifically on the neighborhood where they are. Okay, got it. I'm glad yeah. you reminded me of that. But yeah. I still but think even I still, might have the same complaint later. <laughs> the, but even still, I think the core question is that, like, whatever whatever they end up doing later, right now they do have the capacity to unleash this, like, sonic weapon. Why, why couldn't, like, as soon as the revolutionaries showed up before, they just unleashed it then instead of the bestials doing the whole, like, oh, we have to escape, like, fake right. out thing. Unless... It was just a general sonic weapon that could affect bestials too, and what the difference is later is that it only affects humans when they adjust it. Okay, is, is hold that on it, to that. What it is? 
Hold on to that, because I think that could be it, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. And there's a specific thing the High Evolutionary says later that I want to revisit that with. Okay. Not great that, like, the main plan of the episode is so unclear. <laughs> well, I, I mean, honestly, that's one of my biggest complaints of the episode, is I don't dislike what the High Evolutionary is doing on a grand scale, like the idea of what he's doing. I don't like the logistics. The logistics, to me, don't really make all that much sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that might be where some of this falls apart is just the sort of like they had the idea of what the high evolutionary's reaction would be, but actually deciding what he does with that reaction kind of falls apart a little bit and maybe seems more like a uh, means to an end as opposed to like an actual meaty thing we can bite into. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we're, we're almost to that because things sort of rapidly pick up, I think, <laughs> in the second half. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Spider-Man shouts, it was a trap. They knew we would fight, which, I mean, they don't really need to fight for this to happen, but okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I do like that the High Evolutionary turns the public against them. I think that is smart. Them mm-hmm. fighting, though, isn't really necessary for this to work, but Sure. We also revisit Venom and Carnage in their little nest watching their television, and they're looking on and laughing as all of the the humans and the revolutionaries and Spider-Man are sort of passing out from this modulated brain harmonics. Hmm. But surprise, surprise, the machine men who I forgot to even note this, but like have been tracking them. (laughs) Oh, yep. Bust through their door and blast them with what I can only assume are thetasonic rays because they drop Dr. Brovsky's name earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. Very tiny detail. That doesn't really matter because they don't show Dr. Brovsky. It's a continuity thing, though, so I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a nice callback to to the one is the loneliest number episode. So Mm -hmm. cool with that. Because that was another one that really doesn't, it doesn't play into anything, like technically, like, but but then they still draw elements from it. So it still becomes relevant to the season. And I have to imagine, based on where the second season appears to have been going, Dr. Brovsky's technology would have been a big deal. So it's nice that they include it here because I presume we would have heard more about it or at least seen it, if not actually had it called out uh, next season. Yeah, that episode might actually have been like one of the most important ones in the first season, even though it didn't seem like it when we were watching it. Yeah, which which would end up being really impressive for the overall long term storytelling of this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's been captured. <laughs> Spider-Man wakes up and uh, finds himself in a cage alongside John, Bromley. Uh, we see Git. And there's some other people that we see like in the background, too, that I assume are just revolutionaries. And Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy. By the way, Eddie Brock has brown hair and Cletus Cassidy has blonde hair, which is, I mean, they can change the hair color if they want, but it's still kind of a weird choice because why not just make Cletus Cassidy a redhead? But. Definitely a weird choice, especially given how generic a lot of these character models are. You kind right. of need everything everything that you can utilize to distinguish who people are. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> also, Git is in the same type of cage as them. Git, who is a sentient bandage, is in the same type of cage. I am guessing that like, it's not just electrified bars. I'm guessing it's a whole force field because there's lots of force fields on Counter-Earth okay. and you just can't get through the force field. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's so we hear we hear Eddie and, and and Cletus say a couple of things. Like their voice actors like play them very like pained and like and like distressed and tired and exhausted, which makes sense because we saw in the, the last Venom episode that like they will die now if they're separated from their symbiotes. Mm-hmm. But like the way that they're drawn, they're just like standing up straight. 
in a cage talking yep. like normal. <laughs> it's Just like dudes in a cage. Lots of big dissonance between the acting, which is good, you know, considering what they're doing versus yeah. like how it's how it's drawn. There's a couple moments in the sequence where they'll like like pain people and then they shut to like another shot we see them in the background and they're just standing there in their cage. Yeah. Cletus Cassidy is a big mystery in this series oh, uh, as far as we got. <laughs> yep. It's really, really a non-factor. But who, yeah, who is As he? far as like specifically being Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> right. Like he doesn't, he's no, he's so, he's so generic and bland. Yeah. And, <laughs> the closest we get to anything Cletus Cassidy like is the next thing and only thing he says, I think, right? Where he says like uh Spider-Man is like, "Oh my gosh, they got you too." And I believe Cassidy is like, uh, "Yeah, but we'll have the last laugh." And like that's the only indication that you're like, "Huh, okay, maybe that's Cletus Cassidy because he's crazy <laughs> and and Question vindictive." I, I don't know. <laughs> He also has like a really ugly bowl cut and like I can imagine someone named Cletus having a haircut like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's another factor. There you go. God. They really <laughs> they really kind of I would never thought that I would say this about Venom and Carnage of all people, but they really did Venom and Carnage dirty in this show, I yeah. feel like at the end they of really the day. They really did. No, I think they did. And I, I think they did unnecessarily because I think that they they had a, a, an interesting concept they could have done a lot with regarding Venom and Carnage and I suppose that's what we would have gotten in the second season and this was all build up right and and they just so. didn't put enough character focus or personality focus I because it wasn't the main focus but, but like, there was still plenty plenty of room anytime they appeared just to throw in more interesting lines for them I 100% agree I'm just imagining that they would have done better character work with them in the second season I'm hopeful they would have so. And that their excuse might be that they weren't the main characters of this season and they focused on other things. Mm -hmm. I think you can focus on all the things personally. I don't see why you couldn't have. Right. But, uh, I don't know. It's not like you had voice actors half-assing things because they weren't only voicing those characters. You know, they were around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They weren't coming in for one episode. Yep. So, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> They're weird. <laughs> and unfortunately, we'll never figure out what they really wanted to do with them. It's definitely, like, probably one of the worst or least favorite things about this show is Venom and Carnage, ultimately. Yeah. They're they're a bummer, but we do get that line from from Cassidy about having the last laugh, and this prompts Eddie to begin to divulge something to Spider-Man. He says, I really got to tell you something, but we don't find out what that something is because the High Evolutionary arrives in person, not through Skype. Yep. So the High Evolutionary says that he's decided to just, you know, eradicate all the humans from Counter-Earth, just all of them, <laughs> you know. Don't really need them anymore. So casually committing genocide by like having these weird plug things descend from the tops of the cages. They kind of look similar to like, you know, the plugs that you plug into a monitor, like a computer monitor where they have the two little screws on the side. Uh huh. They kind of look like that. They kind they of look do. like that. And they function kind of like if you've seen the Matrix, like yeah. that cable where it like plugs into the back of their necks with one exception. Horrifying exception because Git doesn't have a neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So these plugs are plugging into the necks with Git. It like goes through his head, like through uh-huh. the bandages and then like wraps itself around to like kind of plug, just plug into a bandage, I guess. Like, I guess the implication is that he was trying to avoid it, use his sentient bandages to avoid it. 
And then, but once it attached to a bandage, it was still able to like harness his brain power the same way or whatever. Like it does. I, I mean, guess. We, I mean, we just don't know enough about Git, unfortunately, to understand this. <laughs> yeah, maybe his maybe his bandages have like nerves in them. <laughs> maybe I have I have no idea. I mean, or he's I mean, or he's a like a sentient electromagnetic uh, cloud. You know, oh. like I don't know, something like that. I could, I would, I would like that better than than nerve filled bandages. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. Especially because haven't we seen bits of his bandages yep. lopped off? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, they do cool things with Git's animation in this episode. They don't necessarily do cool things with Git, but they do some cool Git animated stuff, and this mm-hmm. is one of them for sure. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Joe. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards, in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30, where... If you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. So this is where we get the high evolutionary clarifying his plan, because what he says is that by harnessing the revolutionary's brainwaves, presumably specifically human brainwaves, he'll be able to broadcast the harmonics with a power strong enough to destroy all humans. I honestly didn't understand why this was necessary until you said what you had said about maybe he couldn't, he hadn't refined it specifically to humans and that's why he needed to plug into humans. I don't it's know if I clear. I don't know if I buy it in universe, but I do at least buy it as like a fanon type thing. Because you're right, they don't clarify it. It, it. It's not. It's a thing that would have benefited from a couple one line probably even, mm-hmm. um, or 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 even just. I mean, this would have been us doing the work. But if there had been bestials in the same neighborhood who were affected when they were captured, we could have drawn the conclusion ourselves. I think that's get, making the audience work too hard. But it, at least. It at least would have made sense. Yeah. Now I wish I wish I remembered if we saw the the bestial reporter reacting to the Sonics in that scene because she was there. I'm pretty sure we didn't see that. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't recall seeing any bestials reacting to that. Yeah. But I do – I like your explanation. I don't think the show gives us that explanation, but I do think it makes sense, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to work forward with that. Cool. The one thing that I think is a little strange, though, and I could maybe explain it, 
It's just kind of weird um, as an explanation. But again, applying logic to the high evolutionary is sometimes a little uh, dangerous. Yeah. Lord Tiger is horrified because he's he's like, wait, you you intend to destroy the entire species? Like you want to just eradicate all humans? That's not cool, man. But the high evolutionary silences him. And the way he does is by saying, do you want to add a bestial to the mix? Um, implying that he would hook Lord Tiger up as well to the machine, which, which <laughs> by your theory, would ruin <laughs> it, the theory, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I imagine it's just a, th- I mean, even you could still explain it by just simply saying, like, your theory still stands and the high evolutionary has had such a fear-based control over the knights that, like, his threat doesn't have to make sense. He just simply needs to threaten Tiger. Yeah, I guess and I, so. I still think that could work fine. But again, we're doing all of the work. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's unclear. But, you know, it gives Lord Tiger a little, a nice little, this is, that's definitely, I think, his, his major turn in this episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hearing, being hearing that, that it's like, oh, I didn't sign up for like total species genocide right, right. now. That's, that's, that's a line that I didn't expect to cross today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a little too much, man. Like... <laughs> Well, yeah, so he's, he's shut down by his boss, and as the High Evolutionary activates this modulated brain harmonics thing, Spider-Man realizes that his suit may actually be able to counteract the power, a la his uh, successful reversal of the High Evolutionary's attempt to turn him into a bestial that we saw in Matters of the Heart. So remember that there was, like, these like machines that were turning him into like a spider beast show in that episode. And he was able to turn on his sonics to like fuck with the frequency and like counteract it and eventually blow them up. So Which it's sort they of the should have referenced. We're doing that work again. They should have referenced that because it's established. I didn't think about that at all. I'm glad you like thought about that and wrote it here because that I did not connect those dots, but it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. I just wish they had referenced it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, and it's uh, again, another clever way that they're pulling from, an otherwise kind of pretty self-contained episode, even if they're not doing it directly. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know. It, it God, just seems... I want to believe so badly it's not an accident and they just sort of like messed up the the point A to point B thing. Yeah, uh... but it's, it's, a, it's a clever way to do it because if you're dealing with like sa- brain sound wave sonic things, like it makes sense that he like his sonic suit can can do it which has sort of been like his secret weapon and sort of like the new cool spider-man thing yeah um this season so it's cool that they get to use that one more time in the last episode um so while he's kind of trying to figure that out we see the harmonics like broadcasting and we cut to like this is what we were referencing earlier uh in, in the episode that we see humans throughout the basement including naoko and shane kind of like suffering the effects which it's like extreme headache probably or like piercing sound just like if you're hearing like a loud horrible piercing sound it sounds awful and (laughs) like just a horrible thing to have to go through especially like not knowing where it's coming from or expecting it at all we get a bunch of reappearances of human extras uh, in this scene, <laughs> the yeah. uh, the teddy bear girl from like the very first episode appears mm-hmm. uh, in this scene. And I don't know if I would have even remembered her, <laughs> but I'm glad that I rewatched because I was like, I remember you. you he made a bad pun about you. <laughs> oh, really? I don't even remember yeah. that at all. So yeah, he even and, referenced her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so it's funny. If you binge this, you end up seeing like the same characters over and over in the same way that we we noticed the the ape bestial 
like we noticed him over and over, I think because he kept showing up in the same setting, which is like a car, right? Mm-hmm. And so when he showed up in the park, we were like, we know you from the car. But the <laughs> the ice cream guy from the neighborhood that Bromley is paraded through, he appears in this episode. The teddy bear girl appears in this episode. There's like some some woman with like an eye patch who appears in this episode, previously appearing in other episodes. Like they, it, it's like they have this whole bank of like here are examples of what people on Counter Earth might look like, and they huh. just like literally use them over and over instead of creating like a bunch of like derivatives of it. <laughs> sure, oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a fun, weird, probably like incident, like in- incidental. That's the word. <laughs> thing but it, it it ends up drawing like these weird parallels at least in the neighborhood you're like oh i've seen you you've been around yeah. here well it's a nice way to kind of just culminate everything in the last episode that yeah. like you're seeing we don't see every character but we see a lot of characters again um mm-hmm. which is nice nice i always like those full circle types of things in, in finales i think asshole chef shows up too the one who called the cops oh, on uh, spider-man wow wow you know. well I hope maybe his brain exploded from this before Spider-Man yeah. can shut it off because he sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spidey does activate his sonics. So that, that like counteracts it and basically makes it so the high evolutionary and the knights also suffer those effects. Um, so now everyone, <laughs> everyone <laughs> is suffering the effects of their brains exploding and or melting and or being on fire or whatever is happening. Or something. <laughs> something painful is happening to their brains. <laughs> yeah. Now, are are just like regular civilian bestials completely unaware of what's going on? Like the ones who live in like Uptown or whatever the opposite of the basement is called in this series. I'm stealing that terminology from uh, 2099. But mm. the people who actually live in like the skyscrapers, like do they even notice? <laughs> yeah, they probably heard some explosions and are just like, ooh, who's setting off fireworks? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> oh, God. That's horrifically relevant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Welcome to the nightmare dystopian 2020 world we live in. Uh, uh. <laughs> We're the beast seals who are like, huh, fireworks. Yep. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's brains are on fire now and that, that sucks. So Spidey's Sonics do ultimately succeed in shutting down the high evolutionary's harmonics. And they also sort of like destroy the lab, including the cages and the cables and stuff. Um, so I guess it's just kind of like any show where you see like counteractive forces battling until like explosion happens. Sure. I mean, this happens in everything. It happens in Pokemon. It happens in Harry Potter. It happens in Dragon Ball Z. Like <laughs> an explosion was inevitable. So the high evolutionary is pissed about this. He's like, what the hell? I think he literally says like, you did this. Yep. The The high evolutionary voice acting. Great. In this episode, lots mm-hmm. of screaming, lots of like pounding on the table, lots of just general pissed offedness. Oh yeah. Uh, it's great. He, <laughs> he owns, he really owns performs. this episode for sure. Yes. Yeah. Er- earned that paycheck for sure. <laughs> Hope you drank some tea afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so he attacks, he, he's pissed at Spider-Man. He says, you did this. And he attacks him with the, the, the telekinetic punches that we have seen before. Uh, we get one of those like corny lines from Spider-Man. I almost forgot about his telekinetic punches. Like, it's fine, man. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't need to include that. It's okay. Yeah. We would have, we would have caught up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, like, we could tell, you can literally see the telekinetic punches yeah. happening. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> You're making us do a lot of work. We could have done that work too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that's interesting about the telekinesis though is that this time 
the high evolutionary takes it even a little bit further and kind of wields it in a way similar to like a green lantern's constructs he kind of grabs spider-man with it this sequence is longer than it takes for us to sum it up because we get just like a bunch of action and a bunch of that action is the high evolutionary punching spider-man throwing him with the with his telekinesis and then at one point like smashing him against the wall and like dragging him along the wall like some pretty cool action sequences but definitely a power we haven't seen used quite like this uh, which kind of ups the stakes a little bit yep 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 it's lots of fighting is happening because that while that's happening then the revolutionaries start clashing with the knights of Wondergore. basically everyone has somebody that they're facing off with which is kind of oh, nice yeah. that they're pairing everyone up with uh yeah. <laughs> with with an antagonist yeah then goblin's back out of nowhere <laughs> no setup for this <laughs> <laughs> and we got as much warning as you just did if yep. you didn't watch the episode. Uh, it happens just like that. Yep. <laughs> a bomb just blows up and it's just like, that looks like a pumpkin bomb. And he's there and he's like, he uh, he makes a, a Flanders reference. He says, hi to neighborinos. Yeah. Which is fun. I liked that. It's just like, oh, where you been, buddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, does, he does explain it, though. They actually, they have a pretty brief considering this is like the tail end of the episode like oh, it's yeah. almost done not long left and they're just he's just like uh you know when your shuttle blew up it, it blew me right into reject territory they nurse me back to health we're friends now alice dug me a tunnel right to where you guys are because i'm your friend spider-man and that's that's it i mean that's all we need that's where he's been he's been healing i guess <laughs> you know what's funny the most unbelievable part of that story is that he's in two days become friends with the rejects he's like two days later we were friends it's like what (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) they hated you and you hated them (laughs) yeah weird guy but i guess if they nurse you back to health you kind of owe them right there's i'm sure there's a whole side story there where he gets to know them and he has some conversations he might maybe falls in love with one of them or something like that it's a whole I'm sure there was a whole thing. Volume 14 of my fanfic. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Goblin's here now. It's, I guess, a big reveal. I guess it's kind of a big reveal. We didn't think he was dead in the first place, so we were expecting him to come back at some point. (laughs) I guess he's here now. After that explanation, he is then attacked by the High Evolutionary, and we get what is my least favorite part of the episode. <laughs> very, very disappointed by this. He's attacked by the High Evolutionary one time. The High Evolutionary then calls Goblin foolish and says, don't you know I'm invincible? And maybe this is supposed to be funny, but I didn't think it was funny. No. Because right after he claims his own invincibility, Spider-Man shoots one of his like little web nukes, which we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And that like encapsulates or like surrounds the high evolutionary who's then like knocked off guard or maybe even kicked by spider-man i don't remember and then like falls into a computer console that may or may not already have been busted i don't really know but this is enough to totally knock him out i i wish that it was it was played like for comedy but it wouldn't even then it wouldn't really make sense because i think the problem is that like the obvious thing is that he's been built up as like the major villain and the major climax and all of this stuff has been super serious in this episode. And it, well, that's, I mean, that's fine. You want to know what my big complaint is with it? No one got a hit on him, like a hit in on him at all to this point. He wasn't weakened. He wasn't beaten down. I could understand if he was, I guess technically the goblin blew him up with a bomb one time, 
But if he had been beaten down and frustrated and then out of desperation or in a moment where you you have already begun to understand, like, you're not all that you're cracked up to be. Like, you ain't, you actually aren't shit, dude. And then he does the, like, don't you know I'm invincible? Like, you could have built it up, I think, in context for this sort of, like, humorous, anticlimactic, not anticlimactic moment, but, like, well, it humorous kind of would be little... an, an anticlimax, I think. I think it could, and it could be a really funny one. Yeah, which could work. Right, you could have played it up that way if he had already sort of, if you already understood, like, they figured you out, dude. Like, you're you're not, you're not that bad. Like, yeah, I think the problem is that we've he's we have had confrontations in person with him for a couple of episodes now. And and he's never been beaten. He's never been beaten. And nothing different. There's nothing different this time. Like, just nothing like Goblin throwing a bomb at him, I guess, is the only that was a surprise is literally the only difference, I guess. But like, it's not clever enough to sort of justify this being what beats him somehow. I mean, if Goblin had returned earlier or if this were a two-parter and Goblin returned in part one, learned about the High Evolutionary and had a specific pumpkin bomb, okay, you could could do that. But he doesn't know anything about the High Evolutionary, really. Mm -hmm. He said as much in previous previous episodes, I believe. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I don't, it's it's a case of just like running out of time and, well, we got to beat him so we can get to our cliffhanger, I guess. There's stuff they could have cut out of this. Have allowed for a longer sequence here. Yeah. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> right until the end, guys. Right until the end. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Nothing if not on brand. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, you know, and where the heck was X fifty one this entire time? Like, where I know. Where are you? Well, we've gotten to this point now, and we never saw X fifty one, and this. The perfect opportunity for John to transform back into Man-Wolf is the Sonics. Why did that not interfere with his? I know that they said electron, like electricity interferes, but like, who cares? They could have, they could have explained his transformation back into Man-Wolf by having the chip be broken by the Sonics or have him run into the cage or have him hit one of the computers that apparently like electrified or electrocuted that's the word the high evolutionary like there's a million ways they could have had him transform or he transforms and then attacks the high evolutionary because he's there and between that and the goblin throwing a bomb at him that's what takes him out because it's like and and then you have a little bit of like kind of fun poetic irony because it's sort of like a creature of his own making throw in git and it's literally all of the people who have been fucked over by the high evolutionary maybe throw tiger in there if you really feel like it and then you have this culmination of characters and events that have been his demise exactly the way you're describing it Mm -hmm. it would have been beautiful yeah and i mean granted i'm sure he was going to be in the second season too yeah so like there's probably going to there probably was planned to be a grander defeat of him but this is still like very clearly meant to be a culmination of the high evolutionary stuff so at least have some have like have it reflect everything that he's done in this season specifically like come back to bite him or something yeah yeah, they were they were close. They got close. I think they got real close to where they needed to be because they started off referencing everything and there were a couple things along the way that were references to to older events that unfortunately we had to do the work to draw the conclusions from, but like the the general idea was there. Mm-hmm. They're just little things that needed one like you've said about a lot of things, just one more rewrite. One more rewrite would have served a lot of this or maybe it was rewritten too many times, I don't know. 
one more or one fewer rewrite. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. No, Just I a once one, over. I think one more in this case. One <laughs> past us. What were they thinking? What were we doing? We were available, right? <laughs> when we were like 10. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Tie Evolutionary has been defeated. Womp womp. John shouts that they need to hurry up to Wondergore where Karen is being kept. Oh, remember her? Oh, yeah, that's right. I actually <laughs> forgot that she, like the first time I watched this, I just forgot she wasn't there. Yeah. Until that yeah. moment. And I was like, why would they go there? Oh, that's right. We mentioned that earlier when we were recapping the plot, right? Because they do specifically say, I don't know if we did. When they woke no, up and- we, we didn't call it out. It's We only <laughs> learn that when, because, because here's what happens. We only learn that because Spider-Man wakes up and Karen isn't there with them. And I think somebody says, maybe John says like, where's Karen? And somebody says, oh, she's been taken to Wondergore Castle or something. Yeah, Eddie Eddie tells them. It, it makes sense, but it's such a brief moment. It is. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Eddie tells them cuz that's how it like segues into them being like, "Whoa, Eddie Brock." Anyway, that's that would be the next plot point I assume for part 2, or maybe it would have been like a major arc in the second season, who knows, that she's like in Wondergore Castle. I don't know. Either way, that's going to be their next stop is to go to Wondergore Castle to rescue her. Spider-Man is like, "Well, we need to help Eddie and Cletus first cuz they're going to die." Lord Tiger is there like at the exit and instead of you know stopping them or anything he actually just like steps aside and points and tells them to go because i believe he refrained from fighting right he was the only one that wasn't matched up with somebody because i think so there was spider-man john bromley and git and that covers three knights plus the high evolutionary yeah and so lord tiger just wasn't doing anything yeah, he's just been kind of standing watching and contemplating the whole genocide of, a, of the human race, essentially. Makes sense. Yeah. So this is and that's, I think, meant to be that. I mean, this 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 really is his first like actual major betrayal of the high evolutionary. He said had made lots of like snide comments and stuff. But this is the first time where he's actually like going in direct opposition for what like the Knights of Wondergore stand for. So obviously mm-hmm. this is going to be this was this is a big moment for him. And I think this was definitely going to be the big um set up for whatever his arc would be in the second season. Do you think he would have stayed an inside man? I would hope so. I think that that would be really cool. That's what I want. I really think that they knew going into this, that they had big plans for Lord Tiger. The hints I feel like were there. Cause we read that in the, in the first, in like the pilot, but then mm-hmm. even like in the opening sequence, like he's the one knight that you see like separate from the rest of the knights. Like they show him alongside all of just like the normal people, beast shoals in the mm-hmm. opening sequence. Oh yeah. Yeah. True. And I think that that's, I mean, it might not, might mean nothing, but I think that it's meaningful. I think that that was because they knew going into this, that he was going to be like the standout character from the knights. Mm-hmm. And I don't know to the extent that they had it planned, but I think that they always intended that one way or another he was going to defect or something later on. Makes sense. And it's smart. It's good to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> they do end up freeing Eddie and Cletus, thanks to to Lord Tiger. And the episode season and series <laughs> ends with Eddie explaining, this is great, but guys, it's too late. And he says that when he was separated from the Venom symbiote the last time, the Synoptic decided to put in place, I think he calls it a seeding mechanism. You think so? Basically like a failsafe, I guess. Not really, but I'm not really sure. That would unleash spores throughout the city should he ever be separated from Venom again. And then it cuts to the city 
where this where the synoptic bursts through the ground the size of a skyscraper beyond the skyscrapers even and then just like shoots spores into the city throughout the city all over and then that's it <laughs> the last that's, the very last shot is is spider-man and the high evolutionaries being like in the building and then like the walls start like caving in or, or the the ceiling starts to cave in on them and then it just cuts to the marvel studios logo <laughs> yeah i don't even think it, it doesn't even say to be nope. continued right nope, it just it, stops it probably did at some point right maybe oh yeah that's i didn't think to look at that part of it actually that it might have Okay, I can understand them cutting the part one. I think they should have kept to be continued, if only to to make it abundantly clear that there was supposed to be more. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine watching this not knowing, like only seeing that there was ever one one season? I mean, I guess I guess you would have to be able to put the pieces together. Yeah. I don't know what person walks away from that thinking that was genuinely the end. Yeah, like, wow, what a doubter ending. Why did they uh-huh. do that? <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, what a fucking wild way for this journey to end granted we know that there's more but officially what a fucking wild way for that to end where's karen i guess she's at wonder gore castle who knows do they get her i don't know when i don't know what happened to the high evolutionary oh do the do the spores immediately attach to everybody probably do they attach to both bestials and humans i suppose then what happens is everybody like a, a mindless drone now yes so does that leave like just the revolutionaries to be like the only ones alongside the knights to like confront them? Do they have to team up again? Uh huh. Like what? What happened next? <laughs> yeah. Is this just planet of the of the like planet Venom basically? It like definitely. Is, is that what they were doing? <laughs> that what, I could see that though because it's sort of like you can only. I mean, they've built a really complex world, but the idea of I could I could also see them feeling like the idea of Spider Man being part of human revolutionaries against the high evolutionary that can only go but so far. And so if they want to still keep the same tone of Spider-Man stranded on Counter-Earth and teaming up with with human revolutionaries against something, you could still keep that and then just have them team up against, like, the Synoptic instead of the High Evolutionary. And you have, like, different dynamics with the Bestials and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Or not even officially team up, but just be, like, working against the same same problem and then clashing along the way, I could see being uh, compelling. Yeah, I could also see this just being like in the next episode, they just find an easy way to just spread like a sonic wave throughout the city that undoes, that just like undoes all of the synoptic stuff and it all dies and it all goes back to the status quo after that. (laughs) No, the entire second season needs to be planet synoptic. It has to be. Please tell me, please tell me. We'll find out. We're going to find out. I know we will. We're going to find out. Ooh, what a damn journey. <laughs> yep. What <laughs> a journey. <laughs> that's the way to put it. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Should we do faces of the episode uh, yeah. and then thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that because we have a bunch of faces because both of us contributed this time because it's, it's the last Spider-Man Unlimited. So why oh, not? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There must be many. So um, I felt it was only right as far as like a culmination of things for one of the faces of the episode to be the high evolutionary kind of like activating his plan. So there's nothing really like funny about this face. It's more just like an emblematic type thing 
of him with his telekinetic powers and his red eyes and it's just sort of a close up and just sort of like uh the type of thing you could pick for a thumbnail if you wanted to. But it's pretty yep. pretty pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. The other thing I grabbed is not a face at all, but just a hilarious subtitle thing. It's very obvious at this point that Disney Plus did not hire actual human beings to do their subtitles. Yep. Um, they they used a program. A computer did this 100% because <laughs> it's the type of thing you run into when you're using like a video chat program that automatically captions you. Mm-hmm. This is a frame from right when the goblin shows up and is explaining like what happened. And what he says is the rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. What the computer decided he was saying was the rumors of Mike the miser are greatly exaggerated. What I love the most about this is that they they capitalize Mike and miser. Uh-huh. So it's like it, the computer recognized that it is a full name, yes. like an identification. Yes, it's like a title. <laughs> they recognize that miser is a title for Mike and therefore it must be capitalized. God. But they couldn't figure out he was saying my demise. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so funny. But you know, that kind of shit does piss me off though, because it's such a, it's, it's a thing that like, it's a real accessibility issue that a lot of streaming services have. And like Netflix has a lot of- I love it because I can laugh at it, but it's not fair for everybody. Yeah. That's a good point of clarification. Yeah. Because if you need those captions, if you really do use those, what the fuck- how are you going to like, what do you think? What are you going to think of that? Like, like you can't tell what he's saying. Um, Yeah. Yeah, what he's saying doesn't make any sense. Right, right. And that's that's like a, an unfortunately really common problem with a lot of streaming services, especially yeah. um, where their captions just got awful or or even if they get like good subtitles, like it's just really glitchy or like won't work or won't line up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, come on, like just the basic modicum of like <laughs> of of like respect for people. Ultimately, it's 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 a it's a multidimensional problem, right? It's it's um it's not having enough respect for the people who need them. It's not considering the people who need them. And frequently a lot of things that are done for accessibility are done because people are told they should do them, but not like external external factors dictate they should do it. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing it from an internal place of actually caring. And then the other problem is the the solution to this would be to pay people to do it. But God forbid they hire people and pay them to do this job. That would be the only way to get it right mm-hmm. is to hire actual human beings to do it. Automation isn't entirely a bad thing. This is an instance where it is entirely a bad thing. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Funny but frustrating. It's a good it's a good check on my part. Yeah. No, that's it's a big problem. Yeah. Um, the two faces that I picked out, we referenced this one. So Sir Ram actually like, there's a lot of like cuts to him smiling or like baring his teeth one way or another in this episode. Yeah. I think the best one is when he's about to murder Spider-Man and the look of just like, just like utter, like sadistic, like psychotic, like fervor in his face is just, I hate him so much. He sucks. He sucks so much. Yeah, he's terrible. (laughs) Final, final thought of Spider-Man Unlimited. Sir Ram fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been pretty consistent. (laughs) Yep. And the other one, it's just another one of the random people. I don't know if he's ever appeared in an episode before, but coolest guy ever because he's wearing like all green. He's wearing like a polo shirt with a giant picture of a pig on it. And then his jacket also has the same picture of a pig. Just just the head, like a cartoon head of a pig, I should say. So just the cartoon head of a pig. And then his jacket also has 
the cartoon heads of pigs lining it on the side. And I don't know what the hell is going on with his goatee. Thank but... you for mentioning that because it's horrible. <laughs> There's like two – because and, and I think like the full – like in the screen cap I took, you only see one side, but I think it's like on two sides of his chin, oh. there are little little tufts of hair on each side. Um, okay. It's terrible, but less so if it's at least symmetrical. Yeah. Still terrible. Still terrible. Just slightly less terrible. <laughs> <laughs> one degree less terrible. <laughs> yeah. But he seems like a cool dude. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't recognize him. I don't know if that was his first appearance, but I don't remember others. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> what are your feelings? <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> I still I still feel like I'm kind of processing my feelings on this, especially after discussing this episode, because this episode was such a was such a mess and a weird note to go on, go off on. But also feels like wholly appropriate because it encompasses so many of like the pros and cons of the show. Yeah. Which that's that's I think my ultimate feeling is that like it's it's a huge mess, but it's like a fascinating mess in, in a way that I don't think we've ever so far on our podcast specifically. I, I don't think we've encountered like something of this caliber before where it's this much dissonance between like the ambition and like the ultimate execution of things mm-hmm. and and sort of like the ideas that are there that we're so utterly surprised by versus like these like messy things that just like do not fit and seem like no time or effort was put into it at all despite the fact that we know that a lot of time and effort was put into everything and there were lots of big ideas happening. So that dissonance and like kind of contradiction is really weird uh, to kind of like get your head around when you're analyzing it in the way that we are. Um, but I think ultimately, I think this was just a very troubled production that had a lot of people that seemed to really have good ideas and cared about what they were doing. Um, and that means a lot for me because I think that shows through. I think that it was made by people who had a really good eye for sci-fi and honestly like kind of had their pulse on like some pretty solid political ideas to, to mm-hmm. that that you could do with sci-fi really well. Um, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, I don't think that they executed most of those. I don't think they ex- executed some of those ideas, but a few of them they executed really well and all of them had a good foundation behind them. And, you know, we've said it a million times over, but, like, this show gets a lot of flack and is, like, just generally hated by everyone. And I think it's just because no one's really bothered to really, like, look at it beyond the surface. And beyond the surface, there are still a lot of problems and a lot of things to criticize. But I think that there is a lot here that is really, really interesting. Um, And it's not a total failure of a show by any means. I think that it succeeds in a lot of places. Yeah, I think very early on, before we had really dug into it, like really nitpicked it um, in our very first episode about this, I think there was at least some mild speculation about like, is this show messy because like it was riddled with production problems? Is that why people don't like it? Was it forced to be something that it 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 didn't want to be or couldn't be or whatever the case may be. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. I think they probably were forced to make a show they didn't intend to, right? We know that part. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that the result of that specifically is a show that no one cared about. I don't think you can, I don't think you can claim that the people who made the show didn't care about this show. I think they cared deeply about this show. And I think they tried really hard with this show. I just don't know that everybody along the way since they can't do every single piece and part of it (laughs) we're Mm -hmm. necessarily on board right you know we've said a bajillion times the ambition of the show is so so high and no the ambition of the show isn't it's sci-fi the ambition of the show is not 
it has animal people. The ambition of the show is not, you know, it's a it's a parallel earth. The ambition of the show is the political ideas. And the the ambition of the show is the allegory for like oppression and like mirroring of like actual societal ills and all of the sci-fi animal stuff is just like part of telling those stories. Yeah. And I I I don't think those things end up in a show like this unless the people really care about the type of story they're trying to tell. Yeah. Did they execute it well? No. We've said it a bunch of times. They did not execute it well a lot of times. Did they sometimes? Yeah. They absolutely did. <laughs> and I just I I think my affinity for the show is so 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 much higher than I ever expected it would be even being somebody who went in with like a totally clean slate, right? Like I knew people didn't like it. I had no idea why I didn't really care why. And I still wasn't expecting to walk away being like, holy shit, the ideas, the ideas, you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't even do the ideas the best I've ever seen them, but just the fact that it does them at all is really fascinating, especially when you refer back to the two part pilot and the things that were so obvious and clear, the references they make, the ideas that they directly name with regards to like Marxism and the Bastille and revolutions of our actual in real life history. It's just a, it's a wild thing to exist. It's an absolutely wild thing to exist. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it, it's, it's such a perfect accident that I think that we ended up watching this show like now, <laughs> like oh, in this totally. current time. Yeah, contextualize it because we don't really talk about like our record dates. <laughs> right. I mean, we've been recording like this today is like July 3rd, right? So we've been mm-hmm. recording this throughout like the end. I think we started maybe the end of May through July. I don't know. I remember how long it's been, but th- through the beginning of summer. So, you know, we're doing this while there are while, you know, we've been getting like protests and then like Black Lives Matter it was kind of is has been reaching like an apex recently and mm-hmm. and still is and then you have like violent reactions to those protests from authorities and that is like what Worldwide. this show is about like like the the sort of uh, the the the, this whole show is about like the idea of like staging like staging revolutions and trying to like to upend like like toxic class structures that are holding people back and like killing people and destroying lives and that, that ultimately harm everyone, but especially harm like the oppressed class. And then, you know, the, the, again, very violent, like uh, ways that authority figures and leadership deals with it. And the fact that like the leaders in charge are pretty much don't have anyone's best interests in mind. They're only interested in like in their own egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally get why if, if someone watched this show when they were 12, they might not like it. But when you're watching it at 30, I would hope you would find appreciation for it. You know, it's just uh, it's yeah, it's 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 really bonkers. I'm so glad it exists, even even though it only exists in this tiny little chunk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's what I mean, you know, and it's it's one of those things that just sort of hammers in like how long we've been dealing with these issues you know, sometimes to different degrees and in different ways, but like at the core, this you know all the problems with like class and like racism and uh-huh. just uh, oppression of minorities in general, like all of that stuff. It's the same conversations that we've been having over yep. and over and over and over again. So this is 1999 is when they were making this. Aired in 2000 and 2001, it's the same stuff that we're talking about. 
it's not necessarily going to be a one-to-one and you could probably find some like problematic aspects in oh, its sure. allegories and metaphors, but at the core ideas are all exactly the same. Like none of this stuff is new. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is like, there are certainly things about the show that you can argue aren't very Spider-Man. And we've, we've sort of hypothesized that that could be a major contributing factor to why people aren't super into it, right? It's, quote, not very Spider-Man. But there are also things about the show that are incredibly Spider-Man. This sort of, like, resiliency of the human spirit, this sort of, like, balancing of, of power and responsibility and where that applies and to what degree... I mean, most of the characters we're meant to empathize with are people who are who are um, kind of like held down by class structures that they have no real control over. Um, and then you also have Spider-Man who's trying to decide, like, do I have a responsibility to these people that I I initially don't think I do have a responsibility to? And that carries throughout. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, like is is in this series for sure and it comes up multiple times they just don't say it that way yeah and and i i think that those core elements are there it's just not necessarily the flashy aesthetic core elements that i think come to mind first yeah no you're right i think like kind of the core of the show even though i i i, I don't feel like peter's peter parker's arc was handled perfectly throughout no. this I do think ultimately the core message of the show, if you're going to pull one thing from it that sort of connects all of it, that that is centered on Spider-Man specifically, is that it is still about with great power comes great responsibility. It's just sort of a different, a different spin on it. It's essentially like, to what extent does that responsibility apply? Like if you mm-hmm. are on, if you are in a completely different circumstance and situation with people that you aren't part of, like that isn't your group that are essentially like, you know, others that aren't yeah. like they're, they're not, you know, inside of your circle. Does your responsibility apply to them? How far does your what to what extent does your responsibility apply? And that's the kind of thing that he's struggling with the entire time, you know, and I think that that's a thing that like a lot of people who aren't necessarily politically active, but are aware of things that are happening in the world. I think that's a struggle that they go through if they mm-hmm. sort of like empathize with what's going on. But it's like, but I'm not an activist, so I don't feel like I. I don't, I, I need to do anything or that I should do anything, but, or, or I don't know how I would do anything, you know? And I think ultimately like the show is pretty clearly on the stance of like, no, you take action and you do shit and save people because yeah, you should sure. be a superhero, um, which I think is a really important message. Exactly. I don't think all the brushstrokes are quite right, but I think it's a big part of the painting they were trying to create. I mean, it's, it's, it's abundantly clear through, you know, his actions on the space shuttle. Well, I, maybe not abundantly clear. I'm the one who argued it wasn't very clear. But I do think, like, the ultimate takeaway is, like, he stays and he helps, right? Yeah. And he tells us that he wanted to help and that he knows he should have helped. Um, and then in this finale, he he reflects on all the relationships he's made, and that's that's affirming his decisions, even if he doesn't explicitly say, I'm glad I stayed so that I can help. Like, his actions aren't always painted perfectly to get him where he gets, but I do think he gets there in the way that we would typically expect uh, Spider-Man to, to get there. The destination is right. Even if it's a weird journey. (laughs) Yep. I don't know. And what a weird journey. Oh, I'm so glad we took it. I'm so glad we took it. I can't wait to watch the show. Like, a bajillion more times. I've now watched this show three times in its entirety. Seriously? Yeah, because, well, no, 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 two and a half. Because I have watched it as we watched it, right? 
and I watched the whole thing minus the finale before, but then watched the finale again. And then I watched um, like the first half of it about 75% of the way through our coverage. So I've watched it like a bunch of times. Like if you, if you break it all down, not, not even just like watching repeat episodes for podcast coverage, like Mm -hmm. just outside of coverage, I've watched it (laughs) never before the point that we were, or never beyond the point we were at, but yeah, but yeah, what a, what a, what a fun romp, not a perfect romp, but a fun romp. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely, this has definitely been one of the most interesting journeys that we've had on our show so far in our, in our, 50 plus episodes so far. Um, and I don't really know. There are going to be things. I mean, we still haven't done the second season of Spectacular Spider-Man. That's going to top it in terms of like content and stuff. But oh, in well, terms of like complicated converse, complicated conversations and complicated feelings, I don't know if anything will ever top this show for that. Yeah. And those are, those are, yeah, those are different things, right? Like I'm never, ever, ever going to claim that this is the best Spider-Man show because it's just not executed very well. Um, but damn if I don't love it. Damn if it isn't up there with some of my favorites. Because it's just fascinating. There are inevitably going to be other shows that do things better. Or that we appreciate more conventionally. Right? Mm-hmm. But I also suspect there's going to be other stuff we cover. That feels like it has less care or soul or intent behind it. If yeah. I were to guess. Yeah. Um, or things that don't swing as hard as this show does and i appreciate the swing so oh yeah (laughs) um so it's it's yeah it's gonna it's gonna forever occupy a very bizarre place Uh, yeah and that's not and that's not like throwing shade at any particular show because most of the the ones that we haven't covered at now are ones that neither of us have seen so i don't even know maybe we're wrong every single show has a ton of heart but more than likely More than likely, there's there's going to be something out there that is just sort of like, oh, they didn't give a shit. Like, it's just just how it works. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just I I just expect without knowing, I just expect that there is some episode or arc or something that feels like it was sort of committee produced. Yeah. I think that's just the nature of of these types of properties at certain points in their long, long history. (laughs) So, oh, boy. Well. Uh, We have already referenced that we will be doing a little bit more uh, with Spider-Man Unlimited. And the specific nature of that, I mean, you'll find out as we do it, because I think there's still some details as far as like what we want to do. And I actually have another idea that I haven't even run past you that I think might be fun for like a spider bite. So this is not the end of our journey with Spider-Man Unlimited, but it is the conclusion of the official series. Um, If you want to stay up to date on all of those additional things uh keep an eye on the main feed but also keep an eye on our patreon if you are a patron you will get updates on um any of those additional spider bites or additional coverage because that's where we put our bonus sort of unconventional stuff if you're not a patron yet please consider it you can check it out at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and certainly you can just keep an eye on our own social media as we post about the things that we are doing um derek where can people find you yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my uh, YouTube. It's a video essay series called Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. 
And you can find me, if you're into Pokemon stuff, on another podcast here on the 4 Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you would like more from Walloping Web Snappers on the social medias, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at WallopingWebPod. You can also email us at WallopingWebSnappersPodcast at gmail.com to give us your thoughts on Spider-Man Unlimited. We have been begging you to give them to us um so we would love those please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts especially uh, if you do that we will do a dramatic reading of them and post them online next week in a very special episode we discuss the unproduced script for the season two premiere and do a live read of the official plan season two outline of spider-man unlimited with destiny unleashed part two. Oh yeah we're not done yet See ya. Bye.